coming at you live from Rabbit Trails Podcast headquarters. Uh, dual headquarters. We have dual headquarters in yes. Sweden and Spain. Garrick, it looks like it's about four o'clock in the afternoon here in Sweden, and yep. it is nine fifty-six. It is yep. fantastic. It is because you guys are coming up in like two weeks on the longest day of the year. Yeah, 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 which is great. So we have two more weeks of getting more light every day and then yeah. it starts and then it starts decreasing. But you don't notice it for about another month and a half. So this is what we call the revenge of summer. You get uh, the winter half year and then you get a good uh just a ton of light in the afternoon. Yeah. Actually, I woke up at 2 a.m. the other day. Uh maybe it was about mm-hmm. yeah, it was about 2 a.m. and uh the sun comes up at 3, so it felt like it was dusk at 2 a.m. Yeah. I yeah. just, I just love it. It's, it's glorious. So that's St. St. John's day, right? Is, do you guys celebrate it? You know, we still have to, so this is an interesting thing about the Swedish uh, Lutheran church. Um, we still have saints and Luther would have had, of course, had a problem with that. Uh, but the Swedish Lutheran church still has saints and, but that is not one of the saint days that we, we still okay. celebrate. Yeah. So it, it very well could be, but I don't, yeah, so it's not called, but it's like midsummer. What's uh-huh. it, do you guys? But is there a big celebration for? Oh the yeah, day? yeah, but it's yeah. all pa- it's all pagan. It's all pagan. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a giant pole that looks like <laughs> like it's a phallic symbol. I mean, it's yeah, a yeah. giant pole that's sticking out of the ground with flowers, and I mean, it's it's a total uh, pagan ritual mm-hmm. um, that that I mean had some Christian elements that got opted in and everything else. But to be honest, mostly it's just still mostly pagan the but the coolest thing so you the, in sweden every so in where, where was it is it latvia they they jump over fires yeah Estonia, Estonia as well okay well yeah. in sweden you dance around the maypole mm-hmm. which is funny because it's in june but um there's two words for it uh the, the my stong or maypole or the um mid midsummer stong mm-hmm. uh the midsummer pole so, but anyway, you dance around it. And one of the coolest things that you do is you sing music. So Swedes are a very musically talented yeah, yeah. people. So number course, third, yeah. number three exporter of music yeah. in the world or producer of music in the world behind US and Great Britain, which is yeah. incredible when you think about there's only 10 million people small, who live small in country. country. So music is just everything we do is, is music. And of course, um, Oh gosh, total rabbit trail here. But have you seen, there's a video going around called The Blessing, so, or the UK yes. Blessing. Lots of countries, yes. Malaysia, really cool Everyone, song. Everyone's, I think every country's done it by now. Yeah, Spain, yeah. Spain just put one out. So. Okay, cool. In Spanish or do they sing the English version? Probably in Spanish. Yeah. But so I have Sweden did one. It's in, the Swe- it's in Swedish. Really good. Great. Um, great thing. Love the initiative. Um, well, uh, really cool the radio station uh the state radio station every summer does a digital choir and where they have people recording so summer songs are a big part of swedish culture so songs about literally the weather and summer and everything because you you celebrate it and uh, so i just watched the other night this classic swedish choral song about uh the summer and there were i think they had 750 entries and so it was done in that style of the uk blessing but they were singing this mm-hmm. summer song and it was absolutely gorgeous mm, very cool. and you're just thinking to yourself man uh you know 700 random people doing youtube videos that are sending in and it's just pristine quality um, so that that's Sweden, but anyway, sorry, back uh-huh. to the, back to originally back to the scene. So the world's largest, uh, midsummer celebration 
is in uh, a town called Lexand, um, which means play beach. No, play sand. Um, anyway, uh, uh, which is in Dalarna, which is kind of central, north central Sweden. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, it's idyllic Sweden. When people think Sweden, to be honest, a lot of times they're kind of thinking Dalarna mm-hmm. sort of thing. It's where the little painted horses come from, all this stuff. So you go up there and it's 10,000 people dancing around this maypole singing. There's a Swedish song called the small frog Uh (laughs) and you dance around it and you all dance like frogs. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So it's, it's, it sounds so bizarre, but honestly it's one of my favorite things. I love doing it with the kids. Uh, Anyway, I, you Google, uh, what would you Google? I guess Swedish midsummer dancing. Yeah, I bet you can find like that. Yeah, it's it's pretty epic. Yeah, when when I lived in Estonia, I did so there in Estonia and I, probably Latvia as well, and maybe Lithuania as well. So I don't know, but it's it's Yanni Paev in Estonian, which means John's Day, so Saint John's Day. Okay. So they, they that you know you know, you go out into the um, uh, into the campo into the into the uh, what, what's the place called? I can't speak. I'm thinking Field? Spanish. The fields, yeah, you know, out in the, the fields. Um, and you would make a big bonfire and people would jump over it and you had, like, people, all these people made cakes and you stayed up all night. Uh, and, uh, it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Uh, but I think, okay, so I, I've heard this. I don't know, but, you know, so t- that is John's day, right? St. Right, John. Right, So I think St. John the Baptist is, I could be wrong, and someone correct me if I'm wrong. But, so the idea there is, that's the longest day of the year because what did John say? I am going to diminish so he can. Oh, so you're, you're going into the calendar of he's going down, down, down until Christmas, when, which then is the shortest day of the year. And then right. from there, you've got the increase of Christ. So, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, I always, I always love that stuff about liturgical or church calendars, you know. Yeah. We have often just totally forgot, but there's that rhythm of life of like, you know, we should be thinking about John now, but – John came to introduce us and prepare the way for, for Jesus. Uh, well, you, you know, it's interesting because the Hillsong pastor here was talking about, so Hillsong, I believe it's in Stockholm is, is doing a lot more liturgical stuff as well. So uh-huh, they're, uh-huh. they're bringing back in some liturgy and uh, even the Baptist church that we go to here, it's a kind of a Baptist from beginning uh, Baptist in the sense of uh, believing in adult baptism, not necessarily Southern Baptist in not believing in, you know, dancing. Um, although I don't, I'm not sure there was a lot of dancing that went on. All my Southern Baptist friends, I'm joking around with you. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church for yeah. a good portion of my life. Please, please don't write me hate mail. Um, anyway, um, what was I saying? So, so yeah, but even in Sweden, I mean, even a lot of places, it seems like uh, liturgy, which I think is a good thing, uh, is a little bit on the rise. It's on, it's in vogue now, mm-hmm. which is, I think, yeah, really good for the for the church. I know it's been good for me. Uh, there's a there's a couple of podcasts that I listen to that kind of tap into that. Um, I've been doing a little bit of uh, Book of Common Prayer from the Anglican mm-hmm. Church, which some days I'm kind of like, oh, I'm not really sure I like that prayer, but um, but uh, otherwise it's it's uh, really good stuff. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. What what is what is uh, John's Day like in Spain? It's kind of celebrated, but it, it depends on, uh, you know, Spain. Spain is very, the, the calendar is incredibly liturgical. There's always, um, but something going on in the church calendar that then um, 
proceeds into a, a holiday of some sort. Um, and uh, But it depends a little bit on what region and what province you live in. Okay. So, so you've always got, so for instance, right, we're getting next week or the, this coming week here in, in Granada is Corpus Christi. And mm-hmm. so Corpus Christi is a big, big deal in Granada. Yeah. Uh, it's a three-day holiday here. Um, so, but it's not that big a deal in other places. But if you go up to um, Barcelona, that's, you know, their patron saint is um, St. Jordi, St. George. Uh, so they do a big deal when it's that. So, so it depends, you know, each city, each town has their own, their own stuff that they yeah. focus on. Uh, so it's just, but it's really interesting. So see, I, I'm trying to remember if I've been in some places where St. John's Day was a big deal. Um, I, I kind of feel like I have, but I don't remember this because there's always something it feels like there's always something going on in Spain. No, I, I want to say, and I'm forgetting what it was, but I think it was an episode of Somebody Feed Phil. Um, if you're familiar with that show, yeah, off, show. off of Netflix. Yeah. Was it Somebody Feed Phil or was it something else? But I want to say that he was someone on some food show I was watching. Was it somewhere at the celebration of St. John's Day? But I don't yeah. remember what it was. Yeah. But I want to say it was in Spain. So I'm just trying to think of, I mean, there's not too many places that, I mean, there's tons of places that people would go in Spain. Was it going to be Madrid that would would celebrate it? I don't know. That's a good question. It could, it could even be, that's a, that's a tricky thing. It it just, it is just kind of part and parcel of the, sometimes you're just kind of like, oh, what's going on? Oh yeah, of course. It's another, another thing. All right. Uh, So, so, okay. Rabbit trail then. Um, I declare a rabbit trail. Um, (laughs) Okay, so th- this this would apply. So something that I've often wondered about Sweden. So one of the things that we do, one of the actually biggest celebrations that we have is uh, Saint Saint Lucia, Santa Lucia, mm-hmm. which is uh, Saint of Light in the middle of the darkness of winter. And so you know she famously mm-hmm. put uh, candles on her head in order to care for the wounded in caves in Italy. So she's a patron saint of Italy, but but Sweden has taken her because of the lights. And so people, choirs sing, all this different stuff. And the songs that are sung, I mean, are about Christ or about the coming light, about all these things. And of course, every Swede knows them. Uh, And even though we're the most secular country in the world or one of the most secular countries in the world, I know that everyone likes to, there's certain cultures that like to claim that. So I'm I'm not going to... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fight. We're we're secular and largely so. (laughs) So, but anyway. So, but I often wonder how how is it and how is it? Do you think that this happens in Spain? Or I assume that it does. Um, People go through liturgy and their life is touched with things about Christ. Yeah, but completely missing. I mean, not even coming close to the picture. So one example of this would be um, a famous uh, grocery store commercial. They have this um, grocery store chain in Sweden has incredible, funny commercials. Ika is the name of it. And um, they one day were during Easter or just before Easter, the the grocery store was, was saying, why do we eat eggs on Easter? Did did Jesus... (laughs) And they go, did Jesus just like eggs or something? And they're just kind of joking around about it. But that's actually a very uh-huh. common thing in Sweden for people not to be disconnected from the stories yeah. that they're also so familiar with. So how is it in Spain? And then, and then the, the back and the, really the background of that is how do you think it is that people can go through societally and just completely miss the Jesus that they're swimming in? Yeah. Well, I think 
I think there's a, I think in Spain, I mean, it's a great question. And I think it's a question that needs a lot more um, research and, and questioning. Yeah. But I'll, I'll give you kind of a little bit of what I think. So I, I it's good. Know, Otherwise it, this would be a short podcast. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's, we should, <laughs> it's a good question. Somebody, Let's, move on. question. Let's move on. <laughs> I, I think, you know, you, you have a country uh, in Spain that was drenched in the church for, for, for many, many years. Right. Right. And so at some point you, you know, who knows when that was, but there's a strong divide, right? Uh, you know, mainly modernism, so maybe 18th century, 19th century. Um, but at some point, people want to divorce and take out the, 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 the spirituality of, of, uh, of what it is or what, who Christ is and what that really means. But they don't want to give up all the good, the good stuff, right? right. So you, you don't want to give up um, – the fun, the fun parties. Cause I, I, I think, some, <laughs> but I, and I think this is something that's very fascinating about Catholicism, which we miss in Protestantism is that there's this, um, there's a cycle of joy, right? Mm, right? Cycle of getting people together and celebrating sometimes getting people in mourning, you know, because that's also Easter right. Easter going into the final day is, is time of mourning and preparation, seriousness, uh, you know, Ash, Ash Wednesday, those, and those, some of those things are in Anglicanism and Presbyterianism too. Um, so, so, so I don't think they wanted to give up some of that beauty, that tradition, that art that came out of it. Now, on, on the flip side of that, there is also what I would call, um, you know, folk Catholicism or syncretism, right. Right. where there are still people who, you know, think if you pray to Mary, that's going to do something. And, and, the, and with, the, with the new age and all that stuff coming in, too, that's, that's mutated that into something. Well, you know, Mary's up there with Buddha and whoever else. So it's like, if, if she can help me out, great. Uh, so there's some, there's some, you know, I think, I think that's the, one of the things that you have to go to still back is that we're in this, and this is for Danny, uh, liquid modern time <laughs> of, you know, of, you know, people just take and pick what they want and to believe. And, and so you don't have that, that homogenous or monolithic belief system anymore. Um, yeah. So it's fascinating because you can go in Spain and you can, uh, you can meet people who, who literally don't know. Uh, what is who Jesus is? You can meet right. people who go, oh yeah, Jesus is great. I I love going to church. I love participating. And you'd be like, oh cool. Well, uh, you know, how long do you have? You always believed in God? Oh, I don't believe in God. But I, right. I, right. I, you know, I mean, literally, you meet that. Oh no, no, I, I don't, I don't believe in God. No, no. I, but I'm participating in this stuff because it's, you know, it has some kind of meaning to me. Maybe family to all the way down to, you know people who are serious about their faith to kind of folk or mystical kind of, um, you know, syncretism. To, yeah. So you get this wide spectrum of, 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 of people. Yeah. Um, it be very, it's very complicated. I, I think that's a lot to do with it. It's just this divorce of meaning from spiritual meaning from what, what those things were meant to be. And, and not necessarily wanting to, to, to lose tradition, some sense of trajectory, and uh, community. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they very well could be. There's a there's a television show here called Soul Sidon, which is it's one of the most popular. Has been one of the most popular television shows. Um, and um, <clears throat> there is a, it's kind of this, it's a it's a comedy, but it's kind of a drama comedy. It's a really fascinating show. And uh, one of the, one of the characters in this show is um, 
they're pretty outspoken atheists, um, not interested at all in anything uh, religious. And they kind of make it known throughout it. But one of the storylines is this couple uh, has children and they decide that they want to um, baptize their kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but they're kind of having this crisis. It's, it's a crisis of faith is what it is because they're like, well, wait a second. Well, why are we doing this? Uh-huh. And it's kind of like this sense of, well, because we're, we're, this is what you do. And so anyway, there's this famous scene of them going to talk with the priest about wanting to baptize their kids and, um, or christen their kids. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> the guy is like, yeah, 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 but, but we're, we're not religious. Like we don't, we don't believe this. And, mm-hmm. and the priest is kind of like, well, that, that's fine. And you know, we really don't care. And, yeah. um, <laughs> it's, it's just this hilarious scene because it really exposes, I think some of the realities of Sweden. We, you know, we just, we just celebrated um, Christ Ascension Day, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, one one year, Victoria and I and and our teams went around and we at, we we're asking students. Uh, so, and it's literally called Christ Ascension Day. Like yeah, that's that's yeah. a, some holidays are just you know it's something and you don't know the religious reason or whatever. No, it's called Christ Ascension Day. And so we would ask people, so what do you celebrate on Christ Ascension Day? And people were like, no clue. Got, no clue. Got, yeah. I got nothing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. Huh. So. I'll, I'll take us on another, well, a, a question, a big question, then another rabbit trail. All right. Real quick, real quick. And then I, we actually have something we were going to talk about. We'll get, we'll get this, to this it. Is, this is good. Um, so, so, so the question, we, we've asked this before in previous podcasts, how do you reach those people, right? Because that, yeah. these are people who are not. Um, so, so, okay. So to tie into that, um, fascinating experience. So, you know, I like Terrence Malick films. Yes. Uh, right. And so I watched Song to Song recently, which mm-hmm. is, which when you hear that you, as a Christian, you think Song to Song, it sounds like Song of Songs, right? Uh-huh. And there's a clear tie-in to that. There's a clear tie-in. And it's, so I'll, I'll just say that for people, it, for some people, it will be an unwatchable film. Uh, but, but, but for some most pe- of your film suggestions. <laughs> yes. But for some people, if you can stick through it, although I've never seen a guy make a Wendy's parking lot look so beautiful. I mean, huh. the cinematography is phenomenal. But, but if you stick with it, what you're getting is a walk through Lamentations, a walk through uh, Song of Songs, a walk through wisdom literature. Hmm. And these characters, and, and, and it is incredibly biblical. You have all these quotes that you're like, wait, that sounds like someone in the Bible. Well, you even have a character who represents Satan who says things like, um, I, I rule here. You, you will, I will not let you be hurt. You cannot be hurt here. You know, I rule or a pride is a good thing. You have so this, and he's leading these people down a horrible trail. And then finally they, they realize that they're going down that direction. And that what they wake up to is where you find true happiness is not in the pursuit of money, wealth, fame, sex, mm-hmm. but you have, you have, um, you find that in, in, in fidelity, in family, in love, and ultimately in God and Christ. And you, and that's made, you know, it's very symbolic. And, but if you're someone who's read the Bible, Right. If you're someone who is just generally familiar with the arc of, of you know, salvation history uh, and read the Psalms, Proverbs, this is, it's very powerful uh, in a way and, and how he points you to, to what is real and what is, what is good. I mean, and, and I've never seen a Hollywood movie where someone said lamenting almost as a, as a cry for help, sex, a gift. Like when has Hollywood's ever said sex is a gift? But he says sex, a gift. I played with it. And, and now she's come to this conclusion that no, that's not, that was wrong. What I needed was fidelity, mm. honesty, 
But, but it was fascinating because I was just, you know, it's, a lot's coming at you in this film. And so I was looking for reviews to kind of go, did I just, did I understand that movie? Yeah. And I found one review that was like, this is laid it out and said, obviously written by a Christian. Yeah. Uh, and who, but most of the reviews were like, this is a really weird romantic movie. Huh. And, and missed and they just completely the entire, missed, missed the entire, all the references, all the, you know, biblical stuff that's going on there and what this was about, which is, this is wisdom literature. This is what is good. What do you follow? What are you seeking after? And I was fascinated by that, that so many people who are paid to review movies totally miss it now. But, and, and also that, like, you should know that's where that Malik's coming from. It's like, it's not a surprise. Right. If you knew, yeah. if you took time to, to find out that part about his background. Yeah. Or well, to see his other movies. I well, mean, so, so you, you said, how do you reach those people? So yeah. part of me we're, would we're say. We're in a society where Rolling Stone, New York Times, these people have who are writing professionally for life for their lives don't can't can't grasp these concepts or don't right. or don't have a don't have a common language of these of these concepts. Not everyone. Right. There's still people out there. There was obviously the one reviewer who, whoa, this is this is what this is. And it's, it's right. Yeah. They haven't, they had enough cultural reference. Yeah. Well, so I mean, that's, that's part of it. Right. So there was a time where I might've said, well, you got to do something like a Malik. Uh, I think Malik is shrewd. Um, yeah. And Jesus tells us to be shrewd. And I don't think Christians are particularly, especially those who are trying to, uh, let's say, um, I, I think in proclamation, we tend to not yeah. be very shrewd. We tend to, yeah. uh, we tend to load everything we can up in our cannon and try to shoot it at once. Yeah. Uh, you know, so like a Christian movie, a quote unquote Christian movie uh, with a, with a decent message decides that it has to have every Christian message in it instead yeah. of, you know, I, I will never forget. I was watching, there was a movie uh, safe house with uh, Ryan Reynolds and Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh wouldn't particularly, I mean, it was a decent movie, nothing, nothing necessarily wrong with it. Uh, you know, it's a CIA thriller, you know, lots of running and shooting and blood and, you know, living through car crashes that no one would ever live through. Um, and uh, anyway, so they, there's one scene, though, where Denzel Washington's character is being waterboarded. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no, no, no character has a, uh, uh, you know, a crisis uh, says, I can't believe we, my country would do this or, you know, whatever else. But it came, the movie came out, of course, during uh, or shortly after a lot of the waterboarding issues yeah. that were going on in the U.S. And I remember watching it going, oh, that's what waterboarding is and going, oh, that, that's pretty terrible. Even though I don't really like Denzel Washington's character. And so there there was this point that was made. So the the director of the film, and I don't know if that was their purpose, but they used a movie about something completely different. But the one thing I walked away from that was, man, I really got to think about this whole waterboarding issue. It seems seems unpleasant. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Doesn't doesn't seem like a walk in the park. So so anyway, so I, I think Christians should be shrewd. That's not to say we've got to sneak it in, but I think we, we just can't try to lower the boom every every line. Yeah. But but then there's the other reason, the, the other thing, and this is where I if you are you familiar with the podcast uh This American Life? Um 
I believe I'm, I don't think I've listened to, it, but I, I understand the, yeah. the concept. I believe. So I, I love it. Uh, and there's a whole host of podcasts. There's one called radio lab. There's a bunch of other stuff, but podcasts that are similar where they're, where they're just telling story. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the, the, the show serial kind of similar, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah, okay. Of course. So, so they're, they're just telling good stories. Whereas serial is, you know, a, a whole series of, of stuff. This is, you know, every episode of, of This American Life is different. But generally speaking, they have three parts of the show, three stories with one theme. So it can be, you know, the effects of barbecue on the male gut. No, I'm not kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, but no, it can be something like, uh, you know, I don't know. Love, I would love, like to listen to that. Love, love in the time. What, what makes us love in the time of, of COVID, yeah. you know, internet or something yeah. like that. And they'll, they'll just do three stories exploring that from very different angles. And then rarely come to any kind of conclusion or agenda. Sometimes they do, but it's just, it's always powerful and gripping. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I personally think that for the happy pagan, um, one thing that we tend to do is we tend to, our first approach tends to be, Hey, aren't you miserable? Jesus died for your misery. And the happy pagan is kind of going, no, I'm not really miserable. I'm mostly miserable because you're talking to me right now. (laughs) Right. And so, Uh well, Paul's approach in Acts in certain places is God who has given us good food to eat and good, good drink to drink. He, his approaches, his first leg in is happiness so I think in some sense, for, the, for those who are in the happy pagan scenario, who are just like, well, I just kind of like this stuff. Um, I think part of it is just pointing out a, a worldview that says, okay, this is a worldview that says God has given us feasts to enjoy. Yeah. What do the feasts point towards? Like I was reading today a great, uh, I have a great, uh, there's a Japanese theologian that I read and he was talking about uh, certain Japanese practices that led toward, uh, well, first of all, he, he was bringing up, uh, uh, what is it? Marduk. Was it Marduk or Moloch? One of the gods that you, you sacrifice humans to. Yeah. And then he, he was talking about them in the Old Testament, but then he made the analogy that in the lead up to World War II, Japan had gone off the rails by making the emperor so powerful that we would sacrifice everything to him. And they made him godlike, but they just, they, they distorted the goodness of all this. And so, you know, they went off the rails. Long-winded reply here. But I, I really do think that there's a, one should one should say the person who says, well, all religions have feasts. That's great. What are you feasting to? Are you feasting to a God who, if you don't, is going to sac is going to kill you? Or are you feasting to a God who has killed him? You know, who has offered his son? Yeah. Those are, those are different gods. So I think there's entry points, right? I think Mm -hmm. we can use the markers that are around us um, for, for discussion. Uh, Yeah. And I think too, you're, you're pointing in, in story, you're pointing people towards maybe meaning and beauty, uh, things, things that can point us to something and maybe they're not definitive, right? Because you're right. Um, and, and I think this might be a good segue into what, you know, the movie that we both were able to yes. watch because it is an incredibly powerful story Yeah, and it, it points to beauty. It points to perseverance. It points to strength, courage, 
life change, all, all the things that we, you know, we want to see. And I, I think people in the world want to see, you know, if I can say anything about the Terrence Malick's movie, Song to Song, he's saying something very countercultural there, but he's also saying something that a lot of people want to hear that it is worthwhile to find love in God and in a, in a mate and to, and to be faithful and to build a life there. Whereas what the world is sometimes saying is, ah, just go do whatever you want. You don't need kids. You don't need a right. wife. You don't need a husband. You don't need those things to be happy. And granted, those things don't guarantee you happiness, but that's what God has kind of laid out as your, your you know, the way forward. I would say, maybe when I say family and, and marriage, I'm not necessarily saying that, but I think faithfulness to something mm-hmm. was probably the message there. Faithfulness to something and not just running around, uh, whatever, do whatever you want. And that, that maybe also comes back to this, this story of uh, these guys, this movie, but yeah. Well, let's, let's talk well, about the movie. Well, yeah. So let's launch into it. So, yeah. so uh, our, our listenership, uh, the broad swath of humanity that it is, um, is well aware of the fact that you and I uh, have a small fascination with the Camino de Santiago yeah. in northern Spain, the pilgrimage trail, pilgrimage trail network uh, mm-hmm. that runs all over Spain, Portugal, and France, leading to Santiago de Compostela, and um, uh, where the supposed bones of St. James are buried, and which people through the Middle Ages made pilgrimages to, of which has been uh, resurrected or revived rather in yeah. recent history and uh, so I've been doing a lot of research lately watching uh, tons of documentaries uh, or not tons but a, a few documentaries uh, slight exaggeration on my part there uh, listening to podcasts reading on the Camino and uh, came across this one documentary called I'll Push You and for anyone out there I cannot recommend this documentary yeah. enough we, spoiler alert uh, in this if you want if you're one of those people who wants to see the end before you hear us talk about it uh, turn this podcast off go to Amazon buy the movie because you can't yeah. rent it or anything else you got to buy it but it will be the best money you've spent in a long yeah. while watch it and then come back and we'll talk about it okay yeah, so yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pause there to let you turn it off this, this is no, I, I don't recommend things like, for instance, I like Terrence Malick, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend that everyone go out and watch his movies. Yeah. For, okay. But I, I love, I think he's doing amazing work, but there's one album that I would say, if you don't have, which if you don't have you two Joshua tree, you also should stop, go out, go out and buy that album <laughs> or download right. it right now. Like you should have that. But then I would say this movie, it, like if you could rent it, great. If you could get it free, great. But this movie is worthwhile buying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a well-made movie and it was, it was, it's powerful on, on so many levels. And if you're someone who's interested someday in doing the Camino, uh, this is probably the best apologetic. Yeah, it'll, it'll just get you, it'll get you going. So the, so the story is uh, Justin ski suck and Patrick gray friends, from very early on in their life, 36 hours apart. And they were essentially very good friends, best friends growing up. Uh, Justin um, contracted or had a very, has a very rare uh, uh, nerve uh, disease uh, or autoimmune disease that attacks his nerves. It basically makes it look like he has ALS. So he essentially has 
he's he's uh, quadriplegic. Essentially, yeah. has to have someone feed him and uh, his friend. And he was watching uh, Rick Steves Europe and saw a a uh, story on Camino de Santiago. And so he uh, decides to. He just makes a comment to his wife. What if I could go do the Camino, which is crazy on a, on the surface, right? It's uh, it trails, uh, a guy in a wheelchair. How on earth is he going to do it? It's crazy without the wheelchair. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, so his, his buddy mentions it to Patrick and Patrick's response is, I'll push you. And so this embarks them on their 500 mile, 840 kilometer journey from the French border in Basque, French Basque country, taking the Camino Frances to Camino or uh, Santiago de Compostela. And okay. So, so there was a point in the movie. I'm going to, I'll share a little bit of my reaction before we maybe even get to some of the highlights, but there was a point in the movie where I, well, first of all, I watched the trailer and I mean, I was just like, Oh, the trailers. The trailer. I, mean, I was just like, it was just incredible. The trailer. Just go watch the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and if, and if, if you're not mu- moved as a human, um, uh, please seek professional help. <laughs> so <laughs> someone's going to write me and be like, I wasn't moved at all. What's your problem? So anyway, so, so uh, watch this thing. And there was a point in the movie though, where I was kind of like, huh, I was thinking it was going to be about, Justin's journey, the guy in the yeah. wheelchair. And it wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, it sort of was, but it wasn't, I, it wasn't, it wasn't gripping me. Right. I mean, it wasn't yeah. that the, it wasn't that the movie at that point wasn't good. It was good. It would, it had just turned into something different. Did you feel that way? Yeah, there was a, there was a point where that where, where no, I, and I, I, as the more I think about it, there was, that was intent. There was an, an intentional, uh, effort and and that part of it because I think in the post of what happened the real change happened to the other guy yeah Patrick yeah. Patrick's life was turned upside down and he had to come to grips with all that and so I think even from the very beginning because in the very beginning they've got an extra helper right, right. and they're very clear to make it help show how he's helping and they're very clear for him when he leaves the guy the the, the guy who comes just to help for two weeks to say I don't know if he's gonna be able to do this and this guy also is a little bit too tightly wound. And I'm worried this is going to, this is, he's going to push himself too far Yeah, because he wants to do this for his friend and he's an achiever. He's got to do it. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, and so at that point they're setting the stage and that, and they do it very subtly, but you see over time, this guy have to come to deal with some stuff in his life. That was. Yeah. So, so if you've ever seen the movie, the way, um, and if you know, if you, or if you're familiar at all with the Camino de Santiago, there's a point in is it is it the halfway point or is it a little over halfway? Do you know which place where the Iron Cross is? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a little bit further because it's it's after the Meseta, so it's after, it's after the Meseta, it's, so it's, it's so it's after the desert. It's it's a, more than halfway. You're, yeah, you're, you're got probably you're probably a fourth of the fourth left. Okay, so three quarters more, of the way. More or less, more or less. So, yeah. so there's this point where they have this giant, I mean, there's crosses all set up along the way uh, for you to leave stone. So you, you walk with a stone, a burden, something you've been thinking about, pondering, and you want to give up to the Lord. Like you lay your burden down, the yeah. burden that you've been carrying. And um, so 
but the most common one or the kind of the big one that everyone does is of course this iron cross and it's this massive cross on a pole and or not massive it's a very simple cross but on a on a really large pole yeah where people leave their stones and it's just piles and piles and piles yeah. of stones from people who have set down burdens and it's a beautiful thing i don't think it's any so one of the cool things about it was i realized that it was after the meseta where you're just walking mostly flat dry deserty land yeah it's the it's the hard and, and people c- the will talk part. about them the hardest part because it's so hot, you don't have any right. tree cover. Right. And it could just get, it just feels like you're going on and on and on. Right. And, and that's where I think I realized, I think, I think that's what was cool is when Patrick decides to put down his stone there, I realized that, you know, the, the, the people who created and who eventually, one of the cool things about the Camino is that, uh, a lot of the kinks of it were worked out over thousands of years, right? So it's something that's been going on <laughs> yeah. for a long time. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's not like, oh man, we got to think through this. This really doesn't work. It's kind of like, no, that cross is there after the meseta because people come to the end of themselves and they're ready to lay that burden down, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then you have the the joy, more joyful entry into Santiago. There's like someone thought through that. And so sure enough, Patrick lays down, you know, he had, I resonated with it and I've shared this a lot on the podcast, but he, he and the movie talks about that he had taken on a job, which was really stressful and he just didn't like who he was to his wife and kids. And man, I, I'm sitting there listening to that. And um, I mean, I'm just, I'm fighting back just sobbing because I was like, man, that is, that is in a lot of ways kind of my story. And, um, and thankful to be on this side of it, but I was just like, man, I connected with that so much. And so when yeah. he laid down, he laid down for him, he lay, he stepped out of his job. I'm not stepping out of my job. Uh, but he, he lays that down and that was just such a powerful. And so at that point, that's when the, I don't want to say that it was a climax, but it was certainly, it was a point at which you realized Oh man, this is a story about this guy. And so yeah. you brought, you brought up the question of who's pushing who. Yeah. Yeah, that was, and I don't know if that was intentional, but there was a, that, that, that is really who, who carried who, who, right, right. Uh, you know, but who pushed who, and in, in some sense, uh, Justin, by in, in a lot of ways, uh, and, and the community or that came around him, because you, because they were also very careful to show the times that Patrick would reject help, where he said, yeah, or he would kind of right. like, yeah, I don't, I don't need it, or even other people saying, hey, we want to help, and him learning that that no, it's all right. I think for both of them. Yeah. Realize that we, that the, there's a community of people, there's love out there that can come along. And I think that was also hard for him. Well, you know, they, I need help. I think Justin had realized that a long time before yeah, because right, he, right. he used to say, you know, part it's of it, he life. even said, he even said, you know, you hate to be a burden to people. And, but then he, he said, but I've had to realize I can't rob them from the joy of service. Yeah. yeah. And man, that is a, Powerful, powerful idea. There's a, I, I've often linked that with the gospel. So that idea, right? So Jesus, which is harder for the woman to cry on Jesus's feet and wash them with their tears or for Jesus to receive that? Yeah. Which takes more humility. Yeah. And it's actually the receiver. It's actually Jesus who says, yeah. I'll let you do this because shame wants to go, ugh. 
Shane wants to pull away, right? And Jesus just leans into it and he said, and he says, blessed are you. Yeah. And I, and I think Justin had learned that by virtue of his disease and his journey. And of course he's human. So he struggles with it, right? He doesn't want to see his friend struggling or anything else, but he, he realized you can't steal that joy from people because they want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have a real problem allowing people to help me. I mean, I, I, so I felt like I, think, I kept going through that film going, I am Patrick. <laughs> but I think it's a common American male, maybe just male in general issue uh, that we, we, ha- we do have trouble asking for help and, and being vulnerable for, for, for multiple reasons. I'm, you know, I, I have I'm a psychologist or a sociologist, although I, I, I dabble in sociology. Here and there, I'm a, I'm a dabbler. Stayed at the Holiday Inn last night. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, uh, but yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it seems that we as guys, as men, have a, especially even in ministry, have a really hard time being vulnerable and open. And um, you know, it it reminds me, you read a lot of uh, great books about leadership, and they're talking about being vulnerable as a leader. Yeah being humble as a leader. And uh, those are, those are really hard, hard things to do. I think. To Yeah. I don't know about you. I, I so, wow. I feel like this is turning into like, uh, I feel like I'm talking to my counselor here, um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so uh, sorry, side point here. Uh, someone was talking about the kind of the differences, which is a good development, uh, but the differences between like say 20 years ago and now. So like 20 years ago, it would be like if someone was seeing a counselor, it's like, hey, did you hear that so-and-so is seeing a counselor? Yeah, and yeah. now today it's on Twitter. It's, you're never going to believe what I told my counselor today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a bad jamar. Yeah. But anyway, so so for me, um, I so I'm an Enneagram 8. Uh, so um, I have a hard time, to be honest, trusting much of anyone. Uh, I think I may do it better than a lot of eights, but I think deep down I, I, I struggle with that. Uh, so I know that that's a battle that I have. Um, and I want to be self-sufficient in, in all things. So that's kind of a, a little bit of my own battle, but I, I'm, I'm transparent. So I'm, I'll be honest with you about what I'm thinking, feeling, whatever, mm-hmm. probably maybe even too honest. Um, but, I'm, but I'm not necessarily vulnerable. And it's something yeah. that I, I want to work hard on. I want to work, I, and I do work hard on trying to be vulnerable, especially with people that I trust uh, or the our listenership. I tend to just open up to you guys, uh, but that's part of that transparency. But anyway, so, so yeah. the, the, the point being is um, vulnerability is actually really hard. And, and Steve yeah. Cuss, who wrote that book, uh, Managing Leadership Anxiety, uh, can't recommend that book enough to people either. Uh, he would say that he considers his definition of leadership is vulnerability. Uh-huh. That, so he would go so far as to, to say in general, in order to be a good leader uh, or in order to lead, you must choose to be vulnerable. Now I'm not sure how to parse that out in the sense of um, you can't be vulnerable with everybody. Like you can't, yeah, yeah. You, know, you gotta, you know, not, you know, you can't get the president of, of crew or, 
you know, large organizations getting up there and going, I need your help. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. So I'm not necessarily that fully works, but I get, I think I'm starting to understand what seed cuss means by that. Yeah. Um, and that's actually Justin in that, in that story or in that movie, he seemed to have quite a bit of vulnerability. Um, mm-hmm. I think by virtue of probably something that he learned. Uh, I, Cause I can't imagine going, going through all of that. No, he was in really, that's just incredibly difficult situation because he started started to have that issue when he was 25. Yeah. That's crazy. Can you, I mean, I can't imagine going through that. Um, but an incredible person in what character actually, so this is, so here is, here's another point of this, right? Uh, my son's nine years old. He'll be 10. We were talking today about how character is built through adversity or difficulty. And I often look at guys like Justin and I'm like, man, I want to be like that. And then I realize, Hmm, that's yeah. maybe not <laughs> what I what what my heart of heart wants, yeah. uh, but there is a reality that the character is built through adversity, yeah. uh, and through humbling yourself, uh, and he has he has spades of it. Yeah. Um, another another cool thing that that happened in that, uh, and we don't have to belabor this this movie, but there, so shortly after that scene, they're going to make another ascent. So they made the ascent up into. Uh, and the Pyrenees, Pyrenees. They, went, they went over the Pyrenees from Saint Jean Pitepo. Yeah, which was crazy. But then yeah. there's another ascent into you know oh what is the name of it? Osobrero. Osobrero. That's how you would say it in Galician. Um, really, it sounds like it sounds Italian. <laughs> it does. They start. They have the kind of a sing song. Really? Oh, that's kind of cool. Uh, um, and they that's going into up into Galicia. Uh, the last this this is the last part. That's the but last it is, 125. There's this mountain range. Uh, so you've come out across the Meseta in Castilla Leon, which is pretty flat. Yeah. And now to get into Galicia, because Galicia has kind of always been walled off because of these mountains. You got to go up the mountains. They're not they're not huge mountains. Yeah. They're, but they're mountains, and and you you you've got to get up them. And then and then then as you know from there, because from Osobrero, the next one is Che Castello, which where you've walked. From. Yeah. So then right. it's, it's you're going from. generally downhill with some ups and downs, but you're yeah. generally going down towards the sea to get to Santiago. So, so I thought to me, and I, I pretty much lost it when, when this point oh, came, but because they're they're They had had a friend join them for the last part to help them get up this, the yeah. mountains. And they come into this town before the ascent. And there's a group of people waiting for them at lunch and this group of people, it must've been 10 or 15 people. Yeah. Just basically end up carrying Justin yep. in some parts, but also what I noticed, and this was, I think the coolest part, which must've been incredibly difficult for Patrick. They carried his pack. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was able to, they, cause he was getting to the end of his physical rope. Yeah. He was, he rope. was done. He, so. he had, he had pushed his friend. I mean, that's insane. He'd pushed his friend from France all the way across the Northern part of spain well who hasn't done that though <laughs> yeah and he was in good shape but still that is yeah. I mean, he, he was you know you and i after five days of walking were pretty worn out yeah we had to carry our own backpack yeah well yeah that's because we're middle-aged not a shape but yeah well, who's, who's who's pointing that out um anyway that to me was just a powerful and it shows i think one that we all need people, but two, the beauty of community. Yeah. This community of people who had seen them along the way, who had talked with them, laughed with them, all this stuff. 
and just says, we're going to do this. And, uh, I, that is, is such a powerful message. Yeah. Um, so I just, yeah. yeah. It was something you, you know, we learned something I had studied and understood in my research, but something we learned when we walked the community. And it was something very much that remember Ty, uh, one of the guys who who's a, uh, works in Austin as a firefighter shared, you know, he had kind of had, and I think you did too. And I did, we all kind of came into that Camino experience thinking, Oh, this is really going to be about me getting alone, having some time to think and process. And what we found out was, and I think Ty says is don't, don't go with that attitude, go with the attitude that you're going to go and be a part of a community, mm-hmm. go with, go with the community. I think if you start in, in France, it's a lot easier to make a community as you come across. Yeah, you, spend, right. you spend a month walking with people. Uh, it's a little bit harder towards the end because everyone is kind of just, it's the last bit. You don't have time right. to make this formation. Right. Although you get a little bit of that. Uh, but if you go as a group, you know, you have that opportunity. So I think that's, it continues to hit hard to me. Number one, the importance of community, the importance that we're made for community mm-hmm. essentially. And thirdly, the, the idea that, um, uh, Oh my gosh, I just totally lost my, my train of thought there. But I, th- You've got I a think text was, message. Yeah, someone's sent a text and it popped up. But well, I think that the, the Camino is, a, is about community. That pilgrimage yeah. is about community. Yeah, I, th- I think st- that's what struck me is community. Yeah. Pilgrimage is about community. So one of the things, so this goes back into, and you and I have talked, we want to talk really at length about Stefan Poss, and he's written a great book, uh, two great books, but one that I'm finishing up now. Uh, pilgrims and priests, and his, it's kind of his idea of in a secular, postmodern, liquid, uh, modern society, um, how do you reach and how do you uh, minister to this age? The gospel of Jesus Christ. And so one of his primary, and he takes it actually from, from Peter, First uh, Peter, but it is, it is that of being an exile and a pilgrim mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and also a priest. Um, and so he, he really develops that. And I the more I think on it, the more I look at things like the Camino. So one of the purposes, of course, of of, uh, pilgrimage is that you leave your community, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. discover a new community, and become a different person, Mm -hmm. and then reconnect into your old community upon returning. Mm -hmm. And I actually think so one I think that was one of the really neat things that I saw in this film yeah. as opposed to some of the others is there's not a reconnecting into the community in a lot of films with complete life change it's yeah I'm going to go back and I'm going to be a different person but you don't necessarily see someone doing something completely different and in yeah. this case these guys these guys just it completely changed their life yeah um and uh and they re you know Patrick left his job uh, to become a different person. Um, and I, family more. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be with his family more. Yeah, left, to, a, to, left a high paying, you know, really successful job. Um, but, I, but I do think that that is one of the, it's not just community because I, I see a lot of community in non-Christian settings. Yeah, yeah. So it can't be just about community, but they're signposts, mm-hmm. right? So it's the job of the Christian pilgrim to come alongside and say, do you know what made our desire or who made our desire for that community? Yeah. Do you know what this is pointing us to? It's that person who can come alongside and journey with and pilgrim with and help a person understand kind of what they're looking at, so to speak. 
Yeah, and I, I think that's what, getting back to a little bit where we were talking about uh, in, the, in the beginning of, you know, how do we connect these things? So you look at this, this story of these two guys, um, and I think anyone who'd watch it would be like, gosh, I, I would love to have a friend like that. I would love to have an experience like that. I would, and so it, it, for me, I look at it and I go, there's, in some sense, there's nothing essentially Christian about that, right? right. Now, these guys are, these guys are believers. Uh, Prayer is a part of their life. They're, they're, they've got different values that they're trying to move themselves to. But I, I, but I think the fact that we're, we're living more and more in a society where friendships are not very strong, where families are not mm. very strong, where meaning is sometimes not, is, is, is lacking. Now, I think we're a little bit in a, in a transitional time. There's, that's still that, that, that bit of that stays there. But you can meet people who've lost all that, who don't have that anymore. And, and, and so I, th I think on one hand, we're trying to help people who've lost all that, that sense of, you know, like, you know, Bono sings, you know, I feel like I'm drifting, drifting, drifting out from the shore. I think there's a society that's more and more, it feels like it's drifting, drifting out to the shore and it's looking for, for that meaning, looking for the purpose, looking for friendship, like real friendship. And sometimes the church fails in those areas. Sometimes we fail in those areas, but that's ultimately, I think, as, as you were saying, you know, the, um, you know, the stories, the beauty, the, the values we can point people to. That's, that's what is found, uh, you know, in what God calls, you know, is calling us to do human flourishing following Christ. Um, and so I think so, this, that, that, I think that's maybe where we need to go. How, how do we help people connect into that and say, no, this is good for well, you. Well, I think, I think it has to be. So, so here, here's one of the things, right? So if, if your primary worldview is if you're not a Christian, you're miserable and there's no meaning and no other worldview has any kind of meaning. Right. So, yeah. so then if you go on a Buddhist pilgrimage, and you find people who have meaning, you have a crisis of worldview, right? If you think that every person who is unmarried but is living together with kids is completely without meaning and yeah. that their life is terrible, yeah. but then all of a sudden you find that, no, actually, they have a pretty good relationship and they seem to be working on things. And wait a second, all the Christians you know fight a whole lot and don't seem to have as much of peace. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're going to do some deconstructing, to be honest. And if you don't have a grounding that's that's made on something proper, you're going to deconstruct to the point where you're going to completely leave the faith, which you and I yeah. have talked about. We we even yeah. talked about when we were talking about beginning this podcast, calling it reconstructing faith, reconstructing faith, yeah, because we, we're seeing so many people. Uh, deconstruct their faith. And granted, every person needs to deconstruct things about what they believe about God, because yeah. we all believe things that are wrong. But the point here is this. If we're pilgriming in life, we, the, and if we're on the trail um, of, of our pilgrimage or whatever else, and someone happens to be enjoying or doing something and finding meaning and purpose, we don't have to be afraid of that. Yeah. We can rather say, hey, we're going to a city and what you're experiencing right now is the dest it is a product of the person who has created that city or it is the definition of, you know, he is the, yeah. he is the one who has given us that. So in, in essence, in some sense, it's like, um, the only people who can enjoy, uh, let's say, uh, you know, good Coke 
is a person who comes from Atlanta, Georgia, because that's yeah. where that's where Coca-Cola is located. And then all of a sudden you travel outside and you realize, well, wait a second, mm. lots of people enjoy Coke. You can't have yeah. a crisis of faith at that point. You just have to say, yeah, but I know where it's made. Yeah. Come and follow yeah. me because I know the source of that. Source, and, so the, yep. and, and I think that's what we lose a lot. And I think this is a little bit of the crisis of, of evangelism in the West. Mm-hmm. We assumed we assume too often that people who don't agree with us or don't have the same worldview of us should be a certain way. And then when we find they're not a certain way, we have a crisis of faith or we don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And there's happy pagans and that's an okay thing. Uh, You know, uh, broken clocks can be wrong twice a day. Yeah. We don't need to be disturbed by that. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And I, I think what I, what I would say then is we have two prongs. Because I, 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 I'm wondering, because you, you're right, you're going to have happy, happy pagans. You're going to have, uh, we don't want to create this world where it's us versus them either, which sometimes right. that, that, that kind of happens. But what I do think you, is you, you may see more and more is that as, as we become societies that are less and less Christian, you will see, you know, these, you know, the United Kingdom has a, uh, has a, what, a minister of loneliness, right? Because they see, they really, yeah, yeah, yeah. They someone who helped, who's because they're you're seeing. So I think you have you have two things. You have the people who were able to to able to kind of retain some of those those values, like you know, build a family, whether you get married or not, you know. But you build a family, you build solid structures that will last. So that's still going on in where we are. But then you see this other group of people; those structures have either melted or disappeared, and so they don't have them anymore. Um, and, and they don't know where to go. And so, so I think we've, we've got to come, come at it maybe with a dual approach that we're not shocked by the incredibly uh, loving, kind, just, uh, you know, pagan who actually is trying to help his neighbor and do the right thing. That shouldn't shock us. Uh, or even, you know, if they're, even if they were Muslim or Jewish or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right, but right. The, but the, so we need to be dealing with that and not be shocked by that and, and loving those people and helping those people find Jesus. But then we've also got to be like, there's this other world too, where there are people who are, who need to see, uh, they need to see the, the Jason, the life transformation. You see that, wow, God did something here. Powerful. So, so I, I'm interested in those two things. Yeah. Um, What's well, so going on? Do you know, do you know who Sam Albury is? He's a uh, sure. yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Anglican yeah. priest, uh, yeah, yeah, of course. same-sex attracted. Um, so I listened to an interview with him the other day, and he made such an amazing point. So one of the things that he said is too often within the church, we focus too much on maybe the family, right? So then the yeah. person who is um, falls outside of that. So you could, could just be bad luck. You didn't find someone to get married to. Yeah. Um, you know, it could be um, same-sex attracted. It could be any number of reasons, right? Then that person can't be quote unquote self-fulfilled or, or whatever else under yeah. that definition. In the same way, um, a person who uh, might be any kind of sexually attracted to anything in an improper way, or if sex becomes the the arbiter of what is happiness, which is where our world is today, then that person can never find self-actualization or whatever else. And Sam Alberry's point is the only thing that can give us true intimacy is found in the gospel. 
And so what he would say is in order to be a proper human being, you need true intimacy. And the only way to get true intimacy is with the God of the universe who stepped into humanity. Yep. Yep. Right. And so then he takes it to this beautiful, I mean, just rich, awesome. And that's the point. And I think Tim Keller is really good at doing this yeah, who, by the way, I don't know if you knew this. I found out today he has, uh, he has, uh, uh, Oh gosh. Uh, pancreatic cancer. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah I know that. not good, man. I was bummed when I heard that. Um, so we would yeah. be praying for, for Tim Keller. Um, but anyway, sorry. Uh, so, but I think that that is one of the points of the pill or one of the jobs of us as pilgrims is to be on the way developing an, in, an intimacy with God who, when people say, I just want to have peace in my life. Yeah. We don't go, well, you can't have peace because you're not a Christian. We go, that's awesome. I agree. Let me tell you about the deepest piece. There's a a huge difference between those two approaches. Um, Yeah, I I totally agree. And I think it was what, when you get to the idea of a pilgrim, pilgrim, and when when you do pilgrimage, you journey alongside people, you enter into their space, their time, and you're going together. Right. It's the idea of going together, not, uh, and even in the, the culture of the hospitalero, the person who serves the pilgrims, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is, it's to be there to serve, to, to help, um, to be hospitable, not, not to, um, you know, uh, preach, preach force, not to throw things, you know, not to, um, but to don't get out your gospel, experience. your gospel bullets, shoot them with the gospel bullets. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I always, you know, whenever we have friends, churches, uh, students come and work in the house, I always say, you know, we, sometimes we make ministry in a post-Christian, post-modern world incredibly complicated. You know, yeah. we think it's all this stuff when really it's, it is, can you invite your friend, your neighbor to sit down, and have a meal together yeah. and, and to serve them, to listen to them. Yes. To share your story and to talk to them and to invite me and invite them to church, invite them to things share them information to be, be vulnerable who you are, but not to have this, you know, they're not projects. They're not a, something I got to get through. They right. are, they're not, they're not, you know, they're, they're not a they're task people. and they're not something to be yeah. overcome. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an interesting principle I learned a long time ago. There's two places and I'm going to add a third in this. And so maybe this is the, maybe this would be a principle of pilgrimage, but there's something fascinating that happens when um, you don't have to have alcohol, although I think sometimes alcohol loosens people's lips, but you can be sitting at a bar. And I think the principle of it is that people will open up to you if they don't have to look at you. Hmm, Interesting. Um, So there's something really threatening that if I sit across from you, most people are, and I'm looking you straight in the eyes, which I think that there is a time and a place for that. Really Mm -hmm. good. Most people that you first meet, I'm talking mostly strangers, will not just open up to you, but at bars for some reason, a lot of times if you're just looking, if, if you can have a break, so you're both facing the same direction and you'll look at each other, but it's not threatening to look straight ahead either people yeah. will open up to you in some incredible ways. And I, I've had that happen whenever I travel uh, at airports or, or different places and striking. And I'm not, Mr. This is not turning into, I was on an airplane and led 70 people to Jesus come moment. Yeah. Uh, that has never happened to me, but I've had great conversations, a handful of them. Um, and then the other place would be a campfire. 
Mm -hmm. You can sit down at a campfire with someone you don't know, and they will open up like crazy. And I think the third that I would add to that is the idea of walking next to someone mm-hmm. because it happened on the Camino, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that you're, you're, you're talking to people. So I think in part, it is the journeying with in a campfire, you're both staring in the same direction. There's something that you're, you're distracting. You're doing the same thing. A bar is the same principle and the pilgrimage. Fascinating. The same yeah. principle. It's always fascinating to me the way that is. Um, mm-hmm. hmm, we should write a book about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, well, and and that's been our experience on the Camino. That's been, you know, e- even in that in that the the movie I'll push you. That's our experience. There, this opportunity to walk along, have someone just come up alongside you for a few minutes, yeah, and talk for twenty minutes, and then and then move on, and then maybe you bump into those people again. It it you know from a Christian announcing the good news, it requires something that we often leave out, which is a tremendous faith that the Holy Spirit is working. In people's yeah. lives and that you can come along and God can use you, you know, as is Peter with the eunuch, right? You know, right. how right. long were they together? How long he just, you know, I mean, granted there was some serious supernatural stuff going there. He pops, right. he just shows right. up and right. Philip, but, Phil, sorry, Philip. Sorry. Yes. Philip. I just want to make sure Peter I, would you, not you, have, you yes. know that yes. and <laughs> you're biblical, you're do. not biblically illiterate. No, Philip. <laughs> yes. But, but the fact that he just talked to the guy for, you know, yeah. an hour? Yeah. Two? Who knows? 20 minutes? Who knows? Uh, and then off you go. And this right. guy is, to some degree, of course, not on his own because he now, he has, he has God. He has the Holy Spirit who can, uh, but sometimes we, 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 we cheapen maybe, I think that's another area of the, the pilgrimage where we're, we have, you have to sit down and trust that your interactions with somebody, uh, have to be natural, have to be kind, have to be full of love and genuine interest. Yeah. But also we have to trust that, that God is working in people's lives and that maybe we'll never see this person again, this side of, of heaven. Oh man. Well, so this, that is a whole, that's not a rabbit trail. That is, we could do a whole series of podcasts. Bear, on this, a bear but, cave. But, but it's also, <laughs> yeah, it is also a dangerous, no, I don't want to say dangerous, but it's a difficult place to, uh, ah, difficult. I don't want it, to, it is a, it's a, in some sense, a minefield to yeah. go there because not because anyone would, we would get in trouble or, but, but I think it's an area that we have a hard time recognizing specifically in the West. Um, but in this idea of strategic missions. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's anything wrong with being strategic. I love being great. strategic. Um, but it's one of my top uh, skills. Yeah. Um, I, but I do think we, we take the role in, in being strategic and in being um, trying to maximize and reach as many people as possible and being good stewards. um, All of those things. I think sometimes we forget that the Holy spirit uh, is at work (laughs) and needs to be at work and will be at work. Um, And, and so I think, I tend to, I know that I try to design things where I can control the outcome, uh, which is idolatry, interestingly enough. Doing something in order to control the gods in order to get a desired result is idolatry. (laughs) It is the definition of idolatry. And so, so we have, we have to be very careful. And I'm not saying strategic plans are idolatry. 
Okay. So, but I am saying we need to, I, okay, let me apply it to myself. I'm learning again, the incredible important role that the Holy spirit plays in bringing people to, to Christ. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I have to be willing to let go of results that I have to be willing to let go of. Well, what if, you know, by all means, if I can continue the conversation, do so. But that's not always going to be the case, and that's okay. I wonder how many people Paul talked to, because, you know, I mean, on his missionary journeys, right? He walked most of it, thousands and thousands of miles and kilometers. Uh, Along the way in between the cities, when he's walking from Thessaloniki to Corinth, what, what... who was he talking to? And what yeah. was he talking about? Right. He was pilgriming. Yeah. It's a Mediterranean culture. There were, there was a lot of talking. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And, yeah. I, and, 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 and I think, I mean, uh, would have been, I mean, it's fat, it's be fascinating stories we get to hear someday, but because you know, you know, he was one of these guys who, you know, you didn't talk to him and like, well, what's your story? Oh, well, see, I was this guy. I was, ki- I was, I, I was there. When, yeah, I was killing these guys. Right. And then I had a vision. And th- so you, so most people are like, this guy's nuts. Right. right. Holy cow. This some, I need to talk to, I need to figure out. Right. Maybe he was just like a really shy guy and they're like, Hey, what, what's your deal? Well, you know, I don't want to, but, but you know, he was not a shy guy. He was an oh. incredibly bold person, but he had a story. And, and I think probably the early, all the early Christians who, who had seen Jesus resurrected. I mean, you, you, I mean, in some sense, I, I, I always like that verse where it says, blessed are those who haven't seen. You know, mm, right, but, right but still believe you know because right. you're like it, it's a little bit harder because i can't i can't imagine that i would have any qualms or fear about evangelism when i had just seen a guy die come back to life and then ascend into heaven right you know, and, and which then you know you go back to the apologetic of these guys obviously believed something because you know most and, people yeah, who radically I, different I, people i believe this stuff but i'm probably not going to go and do a lot of what they did because right. you know, I I you know, I'm probably just not I don't know. That I think having seen that, you know, and I've seen God work and you see God do great things in your life and other people's lives, but I cannot imagine how mind blowing that had to be for for people to, to go through that. Yeah, I think that I think that's a great point. You know, <clears throat> I think the disciples on the road to Emmaus did our hearts not burn within us when he spoke? Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, a pilgrimage, right? I mean, they're, yeah, yeah. they're journeying somewhere and it wasn't a pilgrimage in the sense of a classical pilgrimage, but it was, um, it was a pilgrimage. Some of my favorite Psalms are the Psalms of Ascent, which are Psalms sung in a pilgrimage. Um, yeah. You know, I, Jesus is a big deal. <laughs> He's kind of, I'm not, I just lose sight of that so often. It's so easy. It's so easy. Yeah. In all the planning and all the thinking and all the everything, I yeah. just kind of lose sight of, no, he's a really big deal. Yeah. Um, and I think the more we make a big deal of Jesus and not, no, not, no, I don't know. Uh, uh, there's a winsome way to do it. And there's a, a winsome, true, I've experienced this guy um, way to do it. And then there's the annoying way to do it. And maybe yeah. there's a little bit of overlap. Uh, but, I, but I think, yeah, the, the, 
talking about the realities of Jesus yeah. is, is always an important thing. Uh, and you can never go wrong. And, you know, and, and POS, POS takes us to task on the strategy. Yeah. The, 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 the modernist perception that we, if we do A, B, and C, then D will happen. You know, right. He, ta- he takes us to task on that. Right. Um, yeah. It does, a, it does a great job of it in showing, and I, I don't think he would say you shouldn't plan. You shouldn't have strategy. But he, what he's saying is at, somewhere in the modern world, we have become masters of our, of our uh, plan, you know, that we, you know, and so we've taken some of the mystery out of following Jesus. In some sense. Yeah. You know, so I think one of the things that is helpful that Poss tends to, I think, try to point out is the faulty reasoning that <clears throat> proclamation of Christ will always result in an ever-increasing territory of Christians yeah. Yeah. or an ever-increasing number. And he, he takes that to, ch- he really challenges that, takes it to task by kind of saying, is that really really the case and is that what the church is always called to in all times and places now he would he would applaud increase in you know membership yep. and growth of the church but i think his point is no the, the church is there for faithfulness and yep. to to be a signpost of things to come a foretaste of the kingdom to come yeah uh and i think for me as an american oftentimes i can think to myself that I am, rather than being a missionary, I am the chief executive of the marketing department. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that my sole job is to increase traffic to the website, number of people who are, you know, on the rolls and everything else. And while there is, you always want to see that happen, or you would like to see that happen. Yeah, of course. I don't know that that's the role of the church and the Christian, all things being equal. I think our primary role is to simply declare the glories of Christ and his kingdom to come, to remain faithful, to look at the cloud of witnesses that Hebrews mentions, and to go, it's worth it. Even if, even if no, how many, how many people go and walk the Camino? It's several hundred thousand people. Uh, For those listening at home, Garrick just yawned. I've, I've now reached, I've I've now reached being boring. I'm just, you're not not boring at all. (laughs) Just yawned because. I'm a little obscure. No, I'm kidding. So, so (laughs) I actually did it earlier, man. I just uh, didn't didn't make as much noise. Uh, It's late here, people. Uh, Yeah, it's 11, 10. Okay, so not late for a Spaniard, late for a Swede. Anyway, but it's you know, it's lateish. Yeah. So so anyway, all, all, all that to, I don't even remember where I was. The point being, hundreds, oh, of, hundreds of thousands. You get a couple hundred thousand people, but in the grand scheme of things, that's not the world, right? And numbers are increasing. It's great, but is the point of pilgrimage to get everyone else to go on pilgrimage? No, yeah. the point of pilgrimage yeah. is to get a taste of something different and to be changed by that. And obviously you want to change others. 
So I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm stretching that analogy a little bit too thin, but POS really does take to, take to task that idea of it's not necessarily ever increasing numbers, but rather a foretaste of the kingdom to come. Yeah. 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 And so, so then may, maybe what, what he would say, and maybe I would suggest is that the situation that we're in, in, in certain parts of the world is not a curse. It's not, it, it's, it's certainly something to lament, right. In some ways, but it's part of the plan. It's not, it's not something we have to uh, look at and go, if I don't get uh, more people through the door, if I don't get more people knowing Jesus, we are, we're going to work at that. We're going to, that's our, our goal. Um, maybe we need to change some of our plans, but, but my goal is not, not necessarily to do that. And I can be happy and I can be excited about where God has me right now in this part of human history in this place. And, um, I can rejoice in the things I do see and, 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 and trust that that is good. Um, so maybe instead of we don't need to be lamenting or worrying or fearful, but what we need to be is hopeful and, and joyful and to be pilgrims in, mm-hmm. in, in the midst of a very different situation where we are exiles. We are not in our home, but we're going to our home. We're going to get to Santiago. So I think that's, I think we need in some sense uh, a switch, you know, of the, of the, our mentality to flip the switch, to go back to, you know, when you would see the early missionaries going out and their, their passion, their excitement going into places that were completely dark, completely uh, unknown in some, some, some sense, but the yeah. fact that they were going out to do that and we're but to, to go forth with adventure, with hope, uh, with realistic expectations, certainly, you know, well, so, some so of us might not make it. Yeah. So this attitude that we're talking about is the only one that works both ways. Yeah. So the attitude that it's always increasing, you can't be a successful missionary unless you're seeing the numbers that you would like to see. But if you're, if your goal is living faithfully and giving people around you a foretaste of what the kingdom is, and remaining faithful to, to Jesus and proclaiming him, but, but rejoicing at whatever fruit is given, that, that works both ways. If you're seeing thousands come to Christ every day, or if you're seeing a thousand come in a thousand years, yeah. that's the only one that works both ways. Otherwise, you've got a failure of philosophy. And the only, the only, the only yeah. not just a failure of philosophy, but the God that you're basing those promises on, right? Yeah. So if, if the goal, and we're assuming that any goals that we're trying to achieve is based upon the faithful promises of God, if your goal is that thousands would come or, or this, that, and the other thing, when that doesn't happen, you have to go back and you have to, you have to deconstruct that God. Yeah. yeah. You constantly have to do that. Or you have to say, okay, you, you start looking for things that are outside of God to explain it. Well, we didn't try hard enough or we didn't do it the right way or yeah. this, that, and the other thing. And that doesn't mean that you don't try to be a good practitioner. We obviously need to do, try to become good practitioners, but there yeah. has to be something that undergirds uh, under uh, that, that works, that works in both scenarios. Otherwise I don't, I don't know how to make sense of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so watch I'll push you because oh it's incredible. It's awesome. I mean, 
yeah, I, I really can't recommend it enough. Uh, we bought it because you had to buy it. And I am, <laughs> I am thankful that we bought it because the Camino is such a part of our life. Yeah. We'll, we'll watch it. We'll watch it again. I will show it to people. We may even use it. We might show it to students before we go on the Camino. Yeah. I think uh, it's just so, yeah, just so powerful. Yeah. It's good. It's good stuff, man. It is absolutely good stuff. Um, deep breath. The, you, Garrick, we've done 11 podcasts. This is, this is number 11. We've broken the, uh, the unprecedented. unprecedented. <laughs> this, this, <laughs> our 11th podcast. It's completely unprecedented. It's unprecedented. We've never done 11 podcasts. Uh, here's to 20. Cause, uh, <laughs> we're, you know, we, we're, we've got some, other, we got, we got more ideas. Uh, we've got, I think, you know, I think it would be interesting to try to get even someone on who maybe would disagree with some, some things. Cause you and I agree on a lot. Yeah. Uh, it might be good to have someone be, who, has uh, it become an echo chamber? No, I don't think so. I think we just, I don't know if we agree on everything. I just think we're just really good at talking through things around an issue, around an issue and giving it a fully orbed, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That was the real, anytime you use orb in a uh, in a podcast, that's the real low point of the podcast. It's a it is it is the real low point. <laughs> yes. All right, man. Well, let's let's uh, let's wrap this up to a close. We're gonna yes. shut down the world headquarters of uh, Rapid Trails Podcast. Garrick, it is always a pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. I hope you have a good uh, rest of your evening, and uh, we'll uh, catch you on the next one, man. All right. See you on the flip side.